0: Whether you're doing export business or whether you're doing domestic business, it's the same requirement. Understand your customer, figure out what they need, figure out how you're gonna deliver it to them and do it in a way that's price competitive and, um, and better than anybody else.
1: G'day and welcome back to the Coast and Commerce Podcast. I'm Ben from Innovate Media, the host of this show. And this show is all about sharing insight, inspiration and stories from Sunshine Coast business leaders to help you in your business journey as well. So one of those leaders I'm joined with here today is Tim Eldridge from Advanced Aquarium Technologies. Hey Tim, welcome to the show. good morning, good morning. So... Before we get into talking about what advanced aquarium technologies do and some of the insights you can share for our, for our audience here, I'd just love to know who are you and, and what's your story? What got you into where you are today? Um, so my
0: career began in the 80s. I started in the advertising industry uh, in London and I moved around the world a little bit. I was in Hong Kong and I eventually ended up in New York uh, working for Saatchi and Saatchi initially and then Ogilvy and Mather, two very well-known advertising agencies doing uh, international brand management and global advertising campaigns for companies like Procter & Gamble and um, IBM, Hewlett-Packard, um, and lots of other Just fairly well-known brands. Just a few we might brands. have heard before. Yeah. And um, whilst I was in New York, um, I met and married an Aussie. We had children in New York, but we decided to bring them up on the Sunshine Coast.
1: So in 2009,
0: uh, we moved out here.
1: So, what was your background? Was it like where were you born and raised? Because it's not an it's not an American accent.
0: No, um, I grew up in a tiny, tiny village in the Cotswolds in England. Yeah, I thought it was English accent. And, and and actually, I think that's one of the reasons why I love the Sunshine Coast so much. Because yeah. I'm I'm really a rural kid at heart, um, or a, certainly a regional uh, economy kid. And um, and um, I uh, after finishing school. Uh, went off and did a business degree, and whilst I was doing a business d- degree, I discovered marketing uh, and um and so that was my kind of entry into the marketing world and in fact, I had to do an internship and I got an internship as a junior oik at Mitsubishi Motors in their marketing department in the u k okay and through that work, I got to know their advertising agency and at the end of my degree, the advertising agency offered me a job and I moved to london
1: okay so. did you say oik? Yes. What is
0: an oik? <laughs> I'm not even sure.
1: What it's a, just a phrase. Okay, I've never heard of that before. Anyway, so you were a junior oik. You're no longer a junior oik, I assume, yes. not knowing what an oik is, but we'll go with it. Um, so take me take me to kind of moving into what you do now here in Advanced Aquarium Technologies. So, you know, before, b- before we get into that specifically, what is it about kind of marketing and, and advertising that... I don't know, fires you up or what do you love about what you you do?
0: Uh, Look, marketing is, is, for me, it's kind of like the most exciting aspect of business because it's about innovation, it's about understanding customers, it's about delivering value, it's about making a lot of business decisions that connect the dots between what people out in the market want, what you're making, how you're getting it to them, Pricing decisions, distribution decisions—it's—it's it's just the hub of everything. Yeah, and so it's a very inspiring part of being in in business in general, in the marketing department. Um, but also with regards to brand management and developing brands and building brands internationally, um, there's a huge amount of creativity. There's a lot of just strategic planning, a lot of strategic decision making, so it's just an incredibly interesting and challenging part of working in business, Mm. and it's something that I find really inspiring, very interesting, Uh, and, you know, I've been doing it now for 40-something years, and um, I've done it in a lot of different categories, you know, disposable diapers, shampoos, aquarium. Design companies, uh, and and in a lot of different countries, and every day you have a different challenge, and um, it's exciting. After forty years, to wake up in the morning and still kind of want to tackle one of those problems, um, yeah. so yeah, I feel lucky that I found something that I really enjoy. Yeah,
1: so generally, when you think about marketing and advertising in like the Proctors and Gamble's and the you know IBM's of the world, when you're you know kind of suchy and suchy type you know, advertising company versus the smaller companies. Cause I know you, you, you have done some marketing consulting with smaller businesses on the yes. sunshine coast and, and medium sized businesses. And now you're working within a, I guess, small to medium business, uh, you know, certainly not an IBM of the world, AAT. So, um, you know, what's the difference or, and what's the similarities between marketing in those different scales?
0: You know, the, the, the nature of the problems that you have to solve um, are often very similar. Um, the, The smaller and medium-sized businesses have a much more difficult set of circumstances, though, because they do not have the same resources as large companies. Mm. And I think one of the things that the general public doesn't really appreciate is quite how much testing goes on in a large enterprise to try and figure out the right marketing solutions or the right promotional or brand strategy solutions and the right advertising campaigns and so forth. There's an enormous array of testing both in terms of messaging uh, and and the development of campaigns before they spend millions and millions of dollars executing yeah and for a lot of mid-sized companies and uh, small companies it's very difficult to be able to do that testing so in many ways the companies with the least amount of resources end up taking the highest amount of risk mm. because they have to kind of um, go to market with marketing activity that hasn't been as tested as rigorously as it would in large enterprise. And that's that's, what, that's an enormous difference mm. um, that uh, s- small and mid-sized companies face.
1: Yeah, but I, I believe that's a pro and a con, right? Like you could see it as a, as a pro because you can move quicker as a small business. You can test things without million-dollar budgets being at, 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 in play or at risk, mm. right? And you, you can make mistakes. Yes. Whereas the the big guys really can't make mistakes. Well, they, they probably don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> they try not to. They try not to.
0: I think one of the the uh, if – I'd look at it a slightly different way, which is what you do tend to get in large enterprises that you don't get in small and mid-sized companies is the conservatism. And so there's a, there's a lot of um, hesitancy in a big public company to do something that's going to get criticised or do something that's going to – you know, take you slightly off track and cause uh, problems and so there's an in- inherited nervousness or conservatism that um, that mid-sized companies and entrepreneurs um, usually don't have mm. and it's like, no, we're, we're going to get to where we think is right and then we're going to go. Uh, and um, that can actually lead to more creative outcomes sometimes So that's quite exciting.
1: Yeah, it is. So I want to pivot now to talk about in – on the Sunshine Coast here and, and talk about AAT because one of the things that constantly surprises me being in business on the Sunshine Coast is the, the businesses that I, I think sometimes fly under the radar, like that they're, they're doing amazing, you know, world-changing things in some cases, which, uh, you know, from right here on the Sunshine Coast – The people would never know is a business that's based on the sunny coast. And, you know, I think AAT, when I first came across Advanced Aquarium Technologies was one of those for me, one of those moments where I was like, and you guys do this from here, you know, you're based here on the Sunshine Coast. So for people that haven't heard about Advanced Aquarium Technologies before, I will say, I think generally you guys have been a bit more visible on the coast in the last few years. I've seen you winning Sunshine Coast Business Awards just recently, like I think a couple of days ago as of recording this, you, you won another one uh, from the Sunshine Coast Business Awards. And though that visibility does get you out there. But you know, I think you've flown under the radar for years. Mm. Oh, still doing amazing stuff. So tell us about Advanced Aquarium Technologies. What do you guys do? And what is this stuff that's happening under the radar here? Um, all right. So Advanced
0: Aquarium... Tele- uh, let me say that again. So Advanced Aquarium Technologies is a leader in a very specialized industry. It's a very unusual industry. We design and construct and operate major public aquariums around the world. And um, we have to unpack that a little bit because you could kind of skip through that sentence real fast. We design, build, and operate major public aquariums, uh, and there's actually... A a lot of different businesses all amalgamated into one AAT. So during the design phase, what we're really doing is servicing a couple of different kinds of customers. Um, It could be a business that... Uh, A group of uh, investors who have come together to put an aquarium into a new country or a new region or town and they're trying to figure out what kind of aquarium do we need in this particular city, what theme is it going to have, how are we going to work with an architect to get something that's iconic and drive tourists. Um, So uh, that's for the creation of a new aquarium. But we also do an enormous amount of work working with existing aquariums around the world who are interested in doing refurbishments or expansions or some kind of renovation um, and introduce new exhibits and new features and so forth. So two very different kinds of design work, new aquariums and, and, and improving existing ones. Uh, and a lot of that involves working with architects as well, because sometimes an architect somewhere in the world will be commissioned to build a new aquarium building, but they don't actually have the expertise necessary to understand how the building needs to work to be an aquarium. And so we'll collaborate with those architects to, to get everything pulled together. So the design phase is in its own right a business that's, that's doing design work all the way through from the conceptual stuff and the theming. Um, into detailed construction and production drawings and getting everything ready to to go ahead and start the development of the construction work. During the construction phase, um, there is an enormous amount of very specialised equipment in an aquarium. Um, yeah. One of the biggest systems is the water treatment systems, as the public would refer to it. We refer to it as the life support systems because getting that water biology and water chemistry right and the condition of the water is is ultimately all about keeping those animals happy and healthy. Uh, And so we manufacture an entire range of life support system equipment, um, and a single life support system for an aquarium can cost many millions of dollars. Beyond the water treatment systems, you have uh, an awful lot of concrete tanks that have to be waterproofed. So we make waterproofing membranes that we install into the aquariums to keep the water where it's supposed to be. Important. Uh, (laughs) uh, One of the single most uh, iconic aspects of an aquarium, of course, is those big acrylic windows. So we have a very unique license with a company out of Germany to manufacture plexiglass windows and tunnels and domes uh, for aquariums on an enormous scale. Uh, These windows are truly colossal and just to illustrate the point, um, we opened uh, a new aquarium in Vietnam last year that uh, we had been working on for several years and it's got an aquarium window, the main window in there that we were commissioned to build and install. Um, is um, something in the order of nine meters tall, it's about 26 meters wide. It's one of the thickest windows that's ever been made. It's about 780 millimeters thick. And it's um, the weight of this window is in the order of 220 tons. So these are truly it's colossal. Crazy. Uh, structures that are completely transparent and um, they have to be installed with an enormous amount of specialist knowledge and skill, yeah. which we bring to the party. Just
1: to just to clarify that, because I, I think if I've got you right here, that 26 metre wide, 9 metre tall window, there's no there's no pillars and seams visible, right?
0: No, we, uh, we can't ship the window to site that size. Yeah. So we make a series of smaller sections at our uh, manufacturing facility in China. Uh, and then we, and when I say smaller, I think each one was in the order of about 26 tons. Still massive. Yeah. Uh, and we ship those, um, to the site and then using a range of extremely specialized techniques, we bond them together to form a single structure without
1: any obvious pillaring in between them. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. So big windows,
0: big windows, um, There's uh, one of the most important aspects of an aquarium also is um, we want the animals to feel at home and uh, if they feel at home um, Then they behave normally they feel comfortable they're relaxed It's good for their well-being Uh, and to do that we have to uh, create hyper realistic um, Habitats for them to be in inside the aquariums and so these are um, these are artificial habitats, but they have to be so so authentic to the animals that the animals feel chill uh, and um, are happy uh, going about their life as as uh, as a, as an animal in these uh, these tanks. So we create all of that theming, um, and some of the theming structures are also very huge. Mm. Uh, we have a team of artists in our factory who create plants and um, all kinds of rockwork structures that you know re- look like the real thing. Um, and part of the job that that um, rock work and theming has to do is also present to the public as a beautiful, breathtaking underwater scene. And um, this is really important. And we recognize fully that, you know, here on the Sunshine Coast, there's an awful lot of people who have the great opportunity to be able to go scuba diving and snorkelling anytime they want to. But there's a wonderful lot of people around the world who have never been underwater to see some of these tropical scenes. And so we're trying to create a vision that people in inner city areas around the world can get a glimpse into the, under, uh, the, the undersea world.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, if you if you are watching this episode on YouTube, guys, you will in- hopefully include some photos here. You'll be able to see some of the incredible stuff just to get a visual of what we're talking about here. So you, you guys do all of that stuff as well. You're yeah. not really outsourcing any of that. You, you've built a team or, you know, actually – Let's let's get into that a little bit, but take me back to the founder of the company, though, first, because I I do want to recognize John, who who founded this company, uh, CEO and founder. Is CEO correct? Yes. Good, got that right. Um, So tell me a little bit about his story, if you you don't mind sharing that. Well,
0: John's story is fantastic. I mean, John's um, an inspiration. He's the driving force of the company. He's the um, engineer in chief. He uh, propels us uh, forward relentlessly every single day. And he, um, he was a kid that grew up on the Sunshine Coast and fell in love with the ocean and spent an awful lot of time as a teenager uh, offshore um, hanging out with underwater animals and um, fell in love with the ocean and fell in love with under underwater marine systems and, uh, and decided that um, that was a way for him to make a living. And um, initially he was actually involved in... Um, the uh, uh, capture of animals for aquariums. And um, there's a lot of techniques that we use to make sure that that's done in an appropriate way. Um, but he had a spot of luck, I suppose, really, because the Malulabar Bar Aquarium opened hmm. and, you know, here on the Sunshine Coast. So John went over there, had a chat to them and, uh, and got a job working at the aquarium and learned all about life inside an aquarium uh, as an employee and um, eventually decided that this was something that he really wanted to double down on. And there's were some opportunities for him to become involved in some major construction projects in China. Um, so he moved to China for a while and worked in Guangzhou and Shanghai on the construction of two major aquariums in those markets. And that was kind of what led really to the birth of AAT, because John realized that and he saw very quickly that there were going to be a lot more of these aquariums built around the world and he wanted to get involved in that and had a lot of experience by that stage, both working in an aquarium, uh, but also seeing how to construct them and started to develop a lot of point of views on or points of view on um, what kind of equipment would um, how to make the equipment that was going into the aquariums better how to build them in a better way, and that slowly sort of morphed into the development of the range of products that we have now and the techniques that we use. And in fact, John and I have talked in the past about the fact that, you know, um, it's not just about technologies, it's also about techniques. And a lot of uh, what we do and makes us special is having the skill and technique knowledge about how to construct things on uh, uh, in an aquarium. It's a very, very specialised skill. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, 20 something years ago, John essentially, um, built the company or began AAT as it is today. Uh, and as you say, we've now got pretty much, um, not all of the services and capabilities that you need, but the vast majority of them uh, are all under one roof with us. And, um, and I know I haven't really even talked about the third stage of it, which is, um, our operations service as well because oftentimes once we finish the aquarium um, we are required to hang around for a bit afterwards yeah. and uh, continue to service those aquariums and in some cases we will be commissioned to carry on being the outsourced partner for the operation of the aquarium for years after the aquarium's actually open
1: yeah okay and as you say all of that is 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 under the one roof well, effectively, two roofs, right? Because you do have your operations base here in the Sunshine Coast, and you do have large manufacturing warehouse that owned by AAT in in China as well. So, is it the two roofs, or am I missing something there?
0: Yeah, well, actually, it's um, it's it's four or more now. Okay. Um, so we have, um, as you say, our headquarters is here on the Sunshine Coast. This is, um, this is where we sort of coordinate everything that happens around the world, and and, um. Uh, especially uh, the management of leads and projects. Uh, our main manufacturing plant is in China, um, but we have also got an operation in the Philippines, which is primarily a drafting operation. So we have a big team of um, drafters in uh, uh, in China who work with our design department on the development of all the drawings. The A single aquarium can produce hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of drawings Mm -hmm. of all kinds of different kinds of drawings um, uh, that are required for construction and manufacturing. So that team in the Philippines does that work under the guidance of what we do from Australia. And then a few years ago, um, we decided that we would um, open an operation in America. And so we now have an operation in Houston, Texas also. And um, that's the sales um, center as well as the fabrication and customer service center as well. So um, a lot of the acrylic um, that we manufacture in China will go to the States and then our team in, um, in Houston, Texas can fabricate. Um, the acrylic panels um, to whatever the American market requires so that was a very big and important expansion for us Mm -hmm. Um, American customers made it very clear to us during the research that we were doing some years ago that they were pretty excited about the uh, opportunity to work with us but the American market had a very strong point of view that if you want to do business with us you have to have boots on the ground here so
1: yeah we put boots on the ground now There you go. So definitely, you know, from a Sunshine Coast base reaching now a global market, you know. And so you've got projects in the Middle East, you mentioned Vietnam, you know, in China and everywhere, right? Through Europe as well. Like there are there are aquariums all over the place that yes. AAT uh, have been have been a part of, either refurbishing or building. Um, so I'm interested to explore with you some challenges of being based on the Sunshine Coast and reaching a global market. But first I want to go to some benefits. So, you know, what do you say – what what do you believe are the positives, you know, whether it's something that John's mentioned to you or, or from your own perspective? Like, why, why be on the Sunshine Coast? You could be based in New York, right? You could be, you know, based somewhere – that has I don't know prestige. Sunshine Coast is great. Don't get me no, don't get me wrong, but you know why? Why Sunshine Coast? What are the benefits of being here?
0: Well, uh, I, I think you know the most obvious one of all uh, for the employees who are here is they are living in one of the most spectacular places in the world, and I think every single one of us uh, who works on the Sunshine Coast, whether that's for AAT or any other company, feels that way. Mm. Um, so that's a big plus, and you know, if we um, if we have roles that we um, want to offer to new employees who aren't on the Sunshine Coast, in many cases, the idea of of moving to this part of the world is a very attractive proposition for people, um, and particularly if they've got families. Yeah. So um, it's it's a place that's um, very compelling from from an employee standpoint. Um. The other thing is that you know we're not very far from Brisbane, and Brisbane's got a very strong international airport. And uh, Australia and Queensland actually is closer to Asia than the rest of Australia. So um, to be able to get into a lot of the Asian markets from here um, is um, it's very doable, and so it means the access to the burgeoning Asian market is is an ex, you know very doable from Australia and in particular from Queensland. Uh, And, you know, we we do have this factory in China, and John, who we were talking about earlier, um, is regularly jumping on a plane and going up to our operation in China Mm. uh, and coming back, and it's all very... uh, It's it's not a difficult thing to achieve. Um, We've also got, you know, pretty good ports here down in Brisbane, Um, so getting uh, products in and out of port is not that hard. And we've got some really talented people in Australia. Um, and there's a lot of very smart people in all kinds of different fields, Um, particularly, you know, in the zoo and aquarium industry. There's a lot of very talented individuals. Uh, But also, you know, we employ architects, we employ project managers, we employ um, a wide range of different skills. Uh, In fact, we've probably got a more diverse diverse range of skills under one roof than most companies. Uh, And um, a lot of that talent is available in this country. Yeah. From a positive standpoint, those are some of the themes that spring to mind.
1: yeah 100 percent and obviously John growing up here on the Sunshine Coast being able to 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 make that decision to to stay where he, he grew up and to in his hometown and but also to build a company that that is able to service the globe is, is absolutely achievable here on the Sunshine Coast. But I Absolutely. imagine there, there are some challenges too, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, what are some of the challenges that, particularly with the idea of exporting, you know, and in your business it's not, it, it, you're not exporting like, you know, things that you make here, you know, sending them off and selling them overseas. You're exporting knowledge and, and skill sets and, you know, all of that. Um, but You are, I mean, you do build aquariums in Australia, but most of your jobs are international guess, right yeah. so as a, as a business based on the Sunshine Coast but exporting to a global market like what are some of the challenges that that you, you face and how do you overcome them so <clears throat> the w- it's interesting
0: because I think video conferencing took off big time during COVID for many companies around the world we had been using video conferencing since long before then but clearly one of the big challenges that you have is the ability to make quick, fast, immediate, and meaningful interactions with with customers and prospects and stakeholders all over the world is is vital. Mm. Uh, and so we we you have to be great at video conferencing, and you have to have a team that is extremely flexible about its time. And I think one of the things that we're most grateful for is the fact that a lot of our team members are willing to do um, uh, video conferences with customers around the world at all manner of times of day and night. Um, Getting everybody together for a global meeting is a difficult thing, but that's true actually wherever you are in the world. Um, So um, we, our operation, the sun really never sets on our operations and it never really sets on our work. Uh, So in the mornings, early in the mornings, we can have chat to America. Uh, The Middle East comes online sometime in the afternoon, Europe towards the evening, and you just have to cherry pick, you know, how you're going to plan your time, how you're going to plan your meetings to work for all the time zones and get to all the people that you need to get to. Hmm. Um, So we're very good at all that. And um, uh, and, and a big thank you, uh, you know, often goes to the team for their flexibility. And we have to be very flexible with the team, uh, to make sure that you know and respect their family time, because we have people who are doing phone calls with them in the Middle East or Europe late at night or very early in the morning, and we just have to be very conscious of that all the time and the impact it has on our employees' lives, um, and which we try to be. Um, I think um, the thing about video conferences that yes, you can have all those meetings and you can do all uh, a huge amount of work using technology to um, supplement um, the face-to-face meetings, but there really is nothing quite like having a face-to-face meeting. Yep. And one of the things about um, working from the Sunshine Coast is if you are servicing global markets, you know, um, face-to-face meetings are terribly important and you just have to have a business model that enables you to get on those aeroplanes and go and build re- meaningful relationships with stakeholders all over the world. Yep. Uh, you have to make the time available, you have to make the budgets available to be able to support that kind of work, and that's vital, and we do that too. Yeah. Um, I think any global company that's doing delivery work has to be exceptionally good at logistics and um, exceptionally good at shipping and coordinating the delivery of lots of different things from lots of different places in a coordinated way. Mm. Um, And so you have to have exceptionally good logistical capabilities, which um, AAT has. Um, And um, uh, that's vital. And it's particularly vital when, you know, it's, it's not just materials that we're shipping to site. We've, you know, some of these aquariums have got thousands of fish in them. In some cases, hundreds of thousands of fish. And so we have to make sure that everything is all lined up so that the animals arrive and are cared for and all the facilities are in exactly the right um, condition for the arrival of the animals so they can go through quarantine and introduction into the tanks um, with um, tremendous care and and appropriate treatment. So, yeah, um, those are some of the themes I would say, Um, you know being exceptionally good at managing time zones, being exceptionally good at video conferencing, and but also knowing that it's the real world relationships that matter most and, of yeah. course, global logistics. International marketing has changed a lot. Um, international brand management um, and international business management facilitated largely by the internet is, um, is so much different, of course, to when I started my career. Um, and... Um, I think that you, like, anybody who works in marketing at, will understand that authenticity is everything. Adding value through marketing is critical. Um, so you've really got to be deeply conscious of what customers, what kind of customers' information, uh, what kinds of information customers are looking for and make sure that you're putting that on your websites um, so that... Um, when customers are out there looking for whatever information they're looking for, they're going to find it on your site. Hmm. And, um, I think quality content is, um, is essential. And, um, and that's how you're going to make contact with a lot of
1: these people around the world. Yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of what you talked about there, a lot of the, the, the nuances of exporting and and reaching a global market could apply to a, a small exporting business, you know, a, one or two people or just a, a solo founder you know trying to get their thing or their knowledge or their product into global markets right up to the big the big guys as well, right? I think it's the same challenges just maybe at a different scale, would you agree? Yeah,
0: I think so. Um, but again, I mean it's it's you you do have to really empathize and sympathize for the the mid and small businesses because uh, they don't have the same resources that a large enterprise does. Mm. And, um, you know, when I started in my career many years ago, um, a marketing team on a famous brand would was actually very small. Um, you know, you could, Procter & Gamble was, uh, and to, to may well still be, one of the world's largest advertisers uh, throughout the bulk of my career. But, you know, if you went into a brand team in the 1980s, you know, um, less than half a dozen people were needed to manage some of the most famous brands in any country. Hmm. Um, whereas today you'd have you know a larger team just working your social media component. Um, and so international brands, marketing teams are now very, very big teams. Right. Um, and yet the same expectation is placed on mid-sized businesses was like, well, you've got to be driving all that content, you've got to be on the front foot, you've got to be responsive. Um, and that's a lot harder to do when you don't have as many people
1: working for you. Yeah, I think that's that's very true too. That's reality of it as well. So um, just in, kind of in closing here, the, the other thing I wanted to recognize with AAT is, and maybe it's just my assumption, but particularly over the last few years, you guys have seemed to focus on some of the more uh, – national or within Australia-based um, awards or, or recognition as well. And I'm interested, you know, we talked about you flying under the radar for, for so many <laughs> years and, um, you know, maybe that's just my perception of it. But, um, you know, recently you've uh, you, you, you've won a, a, an exporting award. Was that a Queensland or...?
0: We were... Well, over, over the last um, 20 years, um, long since before I joined the company full-time, uh, the company has always participated in in um, local and state-based and, and, in some cases, national uh, competitions. Yeah. Um, and so it's not necessarily a new thing. Uh, and we've been a finalist in many competitions uh, for, for a long time. Um, I think um, in 21 we had a particularly successful year on the Sunshine Coast we were... Um, we won in the best construction company, the best export company, and we won the overall um, best business of the year. And just this weekend past, we we got two out of those three again: best construction company, best well export done. company. Um, and so that that was a source of great pride. And we've also been a finalist in the Queensland Premier's Export Award competition a number of times. Um, and, and they're, um, they're important to us. Um, we, um, we do them because um, uh, we do, we're very conscious of the fact that whilst the bulk of our business is overseas, um, we do have a local brand and that local brand is important and we have done some work on that over the last few years. Uh, and it's important because we do have meaningful relationships with government agencies in Australia. Um, both at state and local and federal level. And we also have people that we want to hire, and those local brands are important. We also have suppliers that we want to do business with. Uh, And your local brand is important to your supplier relationships as well. Mm. So it is something that we've worked on. And, um, yeah, I I think there probably has been a bit of a a boost in our profile as a result of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well done. Thanks for sharing that. So just as a final note here, Tim, I'm interested just from, from you personally being in, in the work that you've done, whether it be now with AAT or, or prior in the in your years of experience in advertising and marketing and business development over the years, what would you say to a Sunshine Coast-based business of whatever scale who's thinking, can I, can I be based here and reach a global market with whatever it is I do? What would you say to them, I don't know, to encourage them or... or What's your message? Well, uh, I think our company is uh, a living proof
0: that you can do that. Um, th- the number one thing about being a successful exporter is, in many ways, I think, um, no different to the number one thing about being successful um, in within a domestic market, which is you've got to understand your customer needs, and you've got to match and meet those needs better than anybody else does. Mm. Simple. And that doesn't change whether you're doing export business or whether you're doing domestic business. It's the same requirement. Understand your customer, figure out what they need, figure out how you're going to deliver it to them and do it in a way that's price competitive and, um, and better than anybody else. Uh, the rest is logistics.
1: Yeah, simple. Yeah, <laughs> just logistics.
0: <of> building <laughs> giant. It's <programs. laughs> well, it's more complicated to do it in multiple countries at the same time. Yeah, um, but the fund of, at the heart of it all—that's what, that's what it's all about. Yeah, you do have to back yourself mm-hmm. a lot more, and I think that you know one of the things that you know John's very famous for in our company is he does generate a vision of what he wants to achieve, and and then he will drive it to completion, and uh, and and having the uh, having the confidence to uh, believe in yourself and to look at your strengths and know your weaknesses too, um, but be confident enough to to get out into the world and say, "No, you know what we deserve to be there, and we're going to put ourselves out there." Uh, and
1: uh, and if you've got a quality product, you will yield some results. I love it. That's great, Tim. D- d- One last thing. I know I said that was the last thing, but this is my last thing. I'm interested, with AAT, what have you got coming? Can you share anything? Like, are there (laughs) some exciting projects that you can say that are about to come online, or is it all hush-hush?
0: Yeah, look, there's always some exciting stuff. I can't can't do a big reveal, unfortunately, but I will, Ben, I will absolutely make sure that you're the first person to know when we go public. But we are actively working on finishing up a, a new aquarium in Taiwan. We're actively working on a new aquarium in Bahrain in fact I um, I had a photographer in that aquarium last week in Bahrain taking photographs and I'm looking forward to seeing those any day now um, and uh, uh, that's going to be opening later this year as well we're doing um, we've got some extraordinarily innovative projects going on in Saudi Arabia but unfortunately until they all uh, go
1: public I can't
0: really talk about them
1: well I do know for a fact that you do have a lot of Great images, great photos, and yes. stuff on your website. And you can go and, like if people are interested after hearing Tim's story and and obviously through Tim John's story as well with advanced aquarium technologies, go and check out their website. Check out what they've got going on. You'll be amazed about some of the stuff that you guys are doing around the world. So, thanks for coming on and sharing your insights, Tim. This has been great.
0: Oh, it's such a privilege, and uh, thank you very much for having us. Awesome,
1: and for you guys watching and listening, if you've enjoyed this episode. Hit subscribe. Hit subscribe on YouTube or on the podcast player that you're watching it on, or listening to it on. Would be the better way to say that, and uh, then you won't miss you won't miss the next episode. See you in the next one.